to the second podcast of the day, making up for lost time on a dreary day, a couple of minutes before three o'clock. Welcome to the show on Wednesday, June 2nd. It's Eric and Alex on a Wednesday. Hey. And uh, so the first podcast I did went, it was with the uh, the doctor, the psychologist and the clinical officer from uh, Gene's place, Brightview. Oh, interesting. He's great to chat with. And Is I, he? I had one question specific to you, and I forgot to ask it. What is it? wanted to ask, um, so they're going to be doing, and you and I talked about this off the air, so I, I'm being delicate here. Um, they're doing methadone soon. I mm-hmm. believe, and I wanted to talk to him mm-hmm. about uh, Brightview, Brightview's practices, and his mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings as to swap, swapping out some some prescribed medication for people who have an opioid addiction, and how people who might go down that route might best eventually be able to get get off all of those things. But I forgot to ask. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a hard conversation to have like it kind of people are on opposite sides of the argument and i think that each one has reasonable reasons to be on opposite sides of the argument like it's a it's a form of harm reduction so it's a medication it's something that you take that cuts out the cravings and you want you know for the drugs that can kill you and that can cause more harm so it is a drug you know replacing a drug for a drug but it is a means of harm reduction What I think is really important is like, is there a plan in place when you start taking those and like, what's that long term plan going to be is when's going to be the time when you're going to start to address those issues where you can start to get off of it, wean yourself off of it. Um, Because I know that sometimes while while it's introduced as a as a form to get off of the hardcore drugs and not, you know, kill yourself and have any or die and have any of those negative consequences what is the additional plan so that you can eventually get off of that as well so and that sometimes that follow-through doesn't always happen whether it's the professionals you know lack of follow-through or the client has then become addicted and not wanting to get on it yeah get off of it yeah yeah um and i wouldn't have been shy about asking him that question because he has a psychologist not a psychiatrist so if he could get somebody off of anything, I'm sure he'd want to do that. Because um, he seems to me as a very uh, virtuous man. And while he speaks highly of Brightview, I, I can see him putting people before logos and things like that. So, Yeah. You know who may have an interesting um, opinion of that is Mosh. Well, she's been busy lately. She's trying to single-handedly <laughs> end the opioid crisis with her recent promotion. She got a promotion? Something like that. Like, they put her on some opioid task force with a very prestigious label. And I I bug, have you noticed that, have you not heard from her as much lately? No. I have. Oh, you know what? We heard from her when we were talking about putting Bay, though. She reached out. Yeah, but she's been super busy. Like, usually Mm -hmm. she's always in the comments section Mm -hmm. of this podcast, but she's been so busy lately. And I just keep hammering down on her. I was like, have you, have you? single-handedly end the opioid crisis yet come on like you're on the clock let's go let's go let's go let's go <laughs> good for her um but so i was trying to come up with um takeaways or highlights low lights of my dad's visit <laughs> okay and there are none it was just great to have him here the highlight was i he Got to spend as much time with Amanda as I had mm-hmm. wanted him to. Wonderful. Um, he got uh, he got to try Campus Poly Eyes. And uh, he got to be in Amanda's house and watch lots of basketball in, in one night. So And you it, got Wawa. I got all my soft pretzels. I begin, I've begun to uh, share them out with people so I don't eat all of them. Amanda's grabbed a couple of them. But it was a, it was a good visit. I'm glad he could stay as long as he did. He wondered if Andre, he's like, you have to get Andre an off button. I was like, what What for? Like, he's not barking <laughs> that much. He's like, for the face licking. Oh, like, yes. <laughs> no, it's his breed. Pete never stops. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good visit with him. Um, although, there's one thing that I neglected to bring up with him that I, I thought about, and I mentioned it to Amanda. So, when he first came to visit me here in 2013, mm-hmm. he kept alluding to he wants to have a talk oh and i'm like uh 
I, I didn't know what it was. I was, I, I just wanted, I said, can you just let me know? Like, are you healthy? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. And it didn't amount to anything more than he just wanted to share a lot of documents with me in case anything were to suddenly happen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is like the first time we had an adult conversation like that in as long as I could remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time, so eight years later, I almost wanted to do the reverse. And I, <laughs> I wanted to have the discussion, not if, not if something happened to me, but me going, what happens if something happens to you? Yeah. Um, and I didn't have the courage to do that, but I also felt good that he is healthy and in a good place for someone of his age. Yeah. Um, but it's scary. You know, it's scary for him to bring that up with me and that it's scary for me to bring that up with him. Like you've been through this. You've had you, you and Thomas have lost parents and mm-hmm. my mom was a different story. You know, I, I was expecting her awful diagnosis with my dad. It will be, um, it will be sudden and shocking. In fact, so much like I asked Amanda after the weekend, I was like, how does he look? She's like, Fine. I was like, how does he look for his age? She's like, well, I don't really know what he looked like before. Um, but she didn't seem to have any alarm. Although, my dad shaved off his mustache. He did. Which would be like would be like if I got like hair plugs or hair put on the top of my head, people would be stunned and shocked. Like, I have I have to ask my brother about it, and, and I haven't, but I bet it's a Terry thing. But I have never seen my dad in my entire life without his mustache. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I've seen my dad with that one either. He, my dad has a top stash like yours, and I don't think I've ever, I had ever seen him without one. Yeah, I, I, he was outside. He had, when he arrived, I, I knew that he was close, and I took the dogs out, and he was out there sitting in the car. Mm-hmm. Like he was making his phone calls that he'd made it safely. And he rolled down the window and I was like, what happened to your mustache? <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I'm glad that you had a nice visit and that, you know, nothing like eventful. But at the same time, all of it was eventful just because you hadn't seen him in so long. Yeah, a year and a half. And, and I was looking through my pictures and I was, uh, that I had taken, and I was almost going to post them. I was like, really eventful visit with Dad. And it was me in various different parts of my living room taking pictures of him in various spots on the couch with various dogs positioned all over him. <laughs> so when your dad comes to visit, does he sleep in your bed? No, he sleeps on the couch. Oh, you don't sleep on the couch and give your dad no, a bed? No, he's... He's totally fine with sleeping on the couch. In fact, he Ama- it. Amanda, yeah, he's he's like me. He doesn't want to impose or anything, or it mm-hmm. might be awkward, um, especially after the Friday morning that Amanda and I had. That's disgusting. Um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, Amanda was like, "You can sleep here, and your dad can sleep in, in bed in in your bed." I was like, "Even if I offered, he wouldn't he wouldn't do it." Yeah. Um. Amanda actually had a more adventurous weekend in some ways than me and my dad had. Um, And I want to share some of those now. And it's great that I can share some things on the air and then some things on the podcast, um, but not on the air. So the one thing that I can't, I won't share on the air, but I will hear. So um, Pierce grabbed something of hers that he should not have in her bedroom. And I'll leave it at that and I will leave it to, to people's imagination. Ooh, gee, how did he find it? Did she accidentally leave it out? I, I don't know. I didn't ask that much. I mean, her room is, is pretty on, her room is fairly boring. Uh-huh. Um, and, but I, there's places where a, a kid could easily go grab stuff and he's very curious with things. So I guess he was close to putting it in his mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> poor baby. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, poor Amanda having yeah. to, to live with that. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I'll, that I that's know. enough. I don't know if I would. I mean, it, I guess it is what it is. That's happened to me a couple times, but not with a kid, with like a maintenance guy. But yeah. whatever. It's, uh, we're all adults here. Like, you know, you know, though, and I'm curious what you think about this, right? So obviously I am in a relationship. So these things are not like shared, but I don't hide them. Like it's not something that 
you know what I mean? I'm ashamed of or that I openly hide. But somehow they all they all like migrated their way into like Thomas's lockbox, like in like a because like well he's putting them away. You know what I mean? He's putting them away, locking them up so like people can't see them or so that like my nephews don't find them. But then if I want to use it for my own time, I have to go over to his stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Wait a minute. I don't know if I like this. This is a little possessive. Or if, <laughs> if God, God forbid, like someone breaks into the house or you need protection and you pull it Grab out. Grab the wrong st- thing. I mean, like, like, you got me, man. You know what? I wasn't going <laughs> to love you. But now that you're vibrating that, fa- that, that in my face, I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that instead and see right. what it does. Well, you th- throw it at, th- yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, bodily fluids all over me. I'll go grab somebody else. <laughs> so let me tell you the other story about the weekend, which made its way on online. So Pierce was very wild on Sunday. Um, we went to Chuck E. Cheese, and mm-hmm. thank God there was only one family there. It was a beautiful day, so I expected it to be quiet. But he ran all over. Um and then we wound up going, we went over to Swan Creek mm-hmm. and he mm. was wild on the playground. In fact, he ran up to two strangers. One time, I think it's because he, he, he didn't see Amanda. Amanda was out of view and he just ran up to the closest woman. Um, she didn't look anything like Amanda and thankfully she was very nice. And the other woman that he ran up to, which was like a hundred yards away, was a little startled. And I, I saw like the concern on Amanda's face and got to see more and more things about, you know, how their relationship functions and some of her fears and things like that. But we, we eventually started, she picked him up. We moved away from the playground. We just started walking the trails. Uh-huh. And uh, we came up to this part that's close to the creek. And Amanda's like, oh, it's Pierce's favorite pastime, throwing things in the water. So we got every stick and rock and he tossed it in into the water and a couple times he got a little close. Then I handed him his cup to take a drink. Then I should have realized there's nothing in there. He threw that in the creek. Mm. And then he got like 10 minutes later, we're still throwing stuff. He got a little, he got close to the water again and Amanda went to grab him and he snatched her phone out of her back pocket. And all I hear is Pierce, no. And I'm like, and I see like a pink and I see a pink thing hurling through the air hurtling through the air and she handled it great some guy came down seemingly to help but that at that point once he reached the water he's like that fucker's gone Um, oh no and she would have gone in I would have gone in but you didn't know how deep it was extremely muddy and but within a couple of hours, she she had a new phone, so that was nice. And then within a day, somebody called her and said they found her phone. Oh. Um, she marked it lost through Find My iPhone. It was still on the whole time. I call. I even called the phone, and it, it rung. It didn't go straight to voicemail. Um, and I think other than like a bit of a, a line on the screen and a little weirdness... Um, it's mostly functional and it'll be a backup phone, but it sat at the bottom of Swan Creek, maybe in one of the shallower parts. A couple of kids found it. Um, it sat in there for like a day and phone's still good to go. So I've never actually been to Swan Creek. I feel like I need to mosey my way over there because I'm thinking of like a, a real tiny little thing where you can literally just like stretch your leg across, reach your hand down and get it. But it sounds more like it's like a actual creek you know like a big one where you where it it goes in and you're not going in to get it like i would have took my socks and shoes off and just went in to get it yeah we didn't know how deep it was Uh and i i thought like if she were able to go get it the worst part would have been i guess she had some things in her car because she's a mom she's prepared but i thought about like all the mud Mm. and other nonsense she would have on her but we just didn't know how deep it was because can't see the bottom because it was so muddy and dirty but um it all it all ended reasonably well and i was surprised to i was wondering like why was that parent letting their kid go in the creek like that but whatever i thought i saw the i think you've shared it on facebook and i had a little snicker when i saw it i'm like oh i just imagined the like how that happened (laughs) kind of like does pierce laugh when something like that happens or does he realize he did something wrong or like does he get shocked like a deer in headlights you know, like, oops, because also kids love to watch videos on phones. And me being the 
jackass that I am. I'm like, well, there goes your videos, kid. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, but I'm gonna say it was closer to your first suggestion, <laughs> him laughing. Oh. I don't know how much he recognizes things that he does wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only base that off of like she and, and I have told him numerous times not to kick and he continues to kick. Yeah. So I don't know what his comprehension and cognitions are. Um, I mean, I, some of it is there, but yeah, he and the ugh. so like a few minutes after that as like some of the shock is wearing off. Um, she's kind of, and Amanda was kind of meandering around the water. Like, do I go in? Do I stick my, whatever. And then I kind of leaned over and he, he, he grabbed for my phone. Oh and, no, yours was next. Yeah. She's, she's like, we're just gonna, you know, we're going to take it back to the car at this point and we'll, we'll handle the situation in whatever way that we can. I, so I, I just find Pierce to be incredibly adorable and, there, he just can't do much wrong for me. So I'm sorry for your phone, Amanda, and I'm sure it was stressful, but I, he's just so stinking cute. Well, she said to him in the car, you're lucky you're cute. And he is. He's cute. He's mm-hmm. adorable. Um, but that was, yeah, I could, I, I was able to activate slow motion on myself as I was turning around watching the, this pink thing flying mm-hmm. through the air. Uh, beginning a descent into Swan Creek. So. <laughs> Eventful weekend. Um, you guys went to see Quiet Place. Was the theater busy? You know, we were in one of the smaller theaters, like the small side theaters. Yeah, I would say um, it was busier than I thought it would be for the afternoon because we definitely went in the afternoon. But um, no, not too bad. It wasn't outrageously busy. It made $57 million, which I never would have guessed it would have made that much. But I, if there's any indication of the country being vaccinated, mm-hmm. that's got to be it. Because I don't think anything cracked $20 million or close to it during the entirety of COVID. And to make $57 million um, was was pretty eye-opening. Well, and we also didn't have the benefit of being able to watch it from home. Like it was that in too. the theaters only. And so I think a lot of people wanted to, like, were willing to go to the theater to see it. There's obviously films that were like, we have to go to the theater to see this. And others where it's like, we don't have a choice. We can't watch it from home anyway. So we did inevitably go to the theater. And the um, previews leading up to the, the film are so like um, saturated with messages of like, there's no experience like a movie theater experience. You, can't, you just have to see this in the theater. Like they are, they are working real hard to convince people that like watching something from your house is just not going to cut it. <laughs> They're yeah. working real hard at that. Yeah. In the same way that Netflix was like new releases every Friday, the yeah. theaters had to combat against that. So was it, a, was it the experience that you were hoping, hoping for? Yeah, it was. Well, I was expecting and anticipating Thomas's popcorn munching to just completely take me out of my like a game to watch this movie and it didn't the last time we saw a quiet place the theater was jam-packed like shoulder to shoulder we had to sit all the way at the front of the theater and thomas munched on his popcorn until he spilled it and everyone could hear because the movie was so quiet like literally you could, there was no sound um, because of the type of film it was the same thing but it was just it was tense the entire way through i thought it was really good i think it'd be worth it for you to see if you're into that kind of stuff I didn't really like the first one. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. I w- a movie would have been a good option um, to do with my dad, but there was nothing playing that I thought he would have liked. Um, it, it, that Benedict Cumberbatch movie that we saw, if that would have been out now or something like that, he would have gone to see that. But it was like really just wall-to-wall basketball for, for him to watch. So, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a nice experience. We went in the afternoon too, which we never do. We always see movies at night. But I think it was just easier for us to go at that time. So, um, how else was your uh, your four day weekend? Because I know you took Friday off too. <sighs> but, uh, but were you actually off? I don't think so. I was actually. So I didn't check my emails. I was not on call. I made sure the staff knew. Like you reach out to Jordan if you have questions. Like just you know, nothing really needs to be funneled through me. I, it was enjoyable and it was stressful at the same time. Thomas wasn't feeling well. There was some stuff going on with him that really like took me there um, beginning Thursday. So 
it was it had its moments where it was really stressful but my brother had like a memorial day barbecue on sunday i got a little lit <laughs> pretty early too um yeah pretty early in the day i think around like 3 p.m three in the afternoon um so that was nice to just and there was tons of food um let's see what else i think that was really it we and every and everything else was just kind of relaxing i went to the middle grounds on monday so that was nice did you take the dogs no so i went with my friend eli and Petey's scared of people and i can't take them both and handle them both at the same time so it was just eli and her son and myself austin and we walked around it was a little smelly there was like dead fish everywhere i think because of the rain and storms we had just gotten did you see emma's video of point place (laughs) yeah of the fish with like i i needed more context i'm not that familiar with point place though i know it floods pretty easily actually the houses in in point place and how the neighborhood's set up reminds me of like the jersey shore parts of atlantic city and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but that was wild like i saw that guy throw the fish in the truck i was like is is the fish gonna die like is somebody gonna eat that or is it gonna find its way home but that was that was wild so what I made the assumption was that they got over, they got flooded the and the water line was already like going down. And so the fish were going to be stranded. So when right. they were flooded, the fish came over. And so to save them from being stranded and dying, they, you know, were putting them back in the water. And I don't know how much of that was like, let's save the fish or like it's going to be really smelly here in two days. So let's get this done because <laughs> it would like there was a fish just one that I had spotted that was, that had been washed ashore and was dead where we were at middle grounds. And the smell was horrendous from just one of those big ass fish. So carp, carp, Correct. carp. Um, there was one. Oh, so on, on Sunday, like we've talked about some fears that we have, like mm-hmm. irrational ones mostly. And Sunday I broached one of my what I feel is a rational fear, and some of it actually played itself out on my face. So, Uh-oh. I don't... Irrational fear, Band-Aids. Rational fear, heights, I guess. Um, mine, anyway. I have a rational fear of super glue. Of what? Like gluing your fingers together? Like Anything, like... My fingers would be the least of my worries. I'd be more concerned that, like, my eyelids get glued shut or I get stuck to something. So sure, I, I have lots of anxiety um, when I'm dealing with super glue. And thankfully, nothing bad happened and my project didn't play out. But I had been um, making sure the little canister worked with some paper towel on the on the kitchen countertop. And then I finished up my project, blah, blah, blah. And then I, uh, I was washing my hands and then some a dish or something. And I reached for a piece of paper towel and I wiped my face. Same paper towel where I was practicing the super glue <gasps> with. Oh my God. Did you get glue on your face? I did. I did. And thankfully, still there? no, I finally got it off yesterday. Um, <laughs> no, thanks to Amanda who I guess didn't recognize it, but yeah, it looked like my skin was peeling from sunburn, but I am, I am absolutely terrified of super glue. So I don't like it. I don't like it when you accidentally get it on your fingers, which I get it on my fingers all the time and my fingers stick together. And then I pull them apart and I have that weird like film over the skin of my fingers. So like I can feel stuff, but I can't feel stuff. I don't, I don't like it, but you know what I thought of because that's how my demented brain works. Do you remember that robbery a couple months back where the man threw like scolding hot water in the cashier's face and then robbed them? Like that could be a really fucked up way to um, do a home invasion where you sneak up to the room, glue their eyelids shut and then <gasps> rob them. Oh my God. I know that's how demented my brain is. It's, I don't know, but that would be a really messed up way to like rob somebody while they're sleeping in their home. You know, like instead of instead of you putting like your your hand over their mouth and, you know, and tying their zip tying their hands together like you do that and you super glue their eyelids shut so they can't see you. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm that, sorry. That would be hard to get that close. How do we just like super glue the door closed where they're sleeping? I feel like there's some home invasions where they sneak in quietly and creep up to your room and wow. somehow the, those are always the, the scariest ones. But 
I'm like I've experienced that many. You know, don't listen to me. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, it's did, raining. Did any? Yeah, it's it's dis, <laughs> it's dismal outside. It's, it's it, pouring. Yeah. It's not. A, it's not raining as hard as it did on Friday, but it's a pretty steady, ugly rain outside. Mm-hmm. Um, did anything city news wise make it to your radar over the last couple of days? Um, I think a lot of city news wise stuff like. As of literally a couple hours ago, there's a civil civil lawsuit out on the t- TPD officers. Yeah, because of last year's protest. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, not not surprising. I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I'm, I'm underselling that's, in, that's in, the importance of, of that or how that will ultimately break out. Um, the tiny homes are going to be ready soon. Did you see that? I did. Uh, for 18, if you make $18,000 or less and that there are 400 square foot homes and uh, they're somewhere in, in, in central Toledo somewhere. So I'm looking forward to those opening up and seeing how they can help people. Do you have to get that? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to pause you for a minute. All right. Um, another uh, quick city thing. And usually I don't feel the need for us to bring up lots of traffic notes here, but this is interesting. Um, it's one of the more frustrating uh, corridors in the area. So Secor through Ottawa Hills, you know it, right? Yeah. Um, literally you can like, you could be a male person from the left lane because that, that's such a narrow stretch between like mm-hmm. Bancroft and central. Yeah. So, uh, b- 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 people have wanted that widened, but that's not happening because people would have had to lose their homes. So there's a six day paving project between Kenwood and Bancroft. It'll shut down the southbound part of Secor beginning uh let's see i think it's i guess it's is it next week yeah it's got to be next week um and it's going to be a single lane on one side so that's going to be a tight fit can they just drop it to one lane like i don't is it is it there too much traffic for it to be one lane so they're just they're still going to keep it two lanes because i do find it to be incredibly dangerous if there also wasn't like ridiculously large potholes on both sides yeah. that you really have to avoid. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, I always, that you're right. Like that corridor gives me a lot of anxiety. I've had a friend who's been in an accident, um, in that corridor, but it just, it just makes me anxious. People blow past you. They don't have any respect for the fact that you're, you know, I feel like I drive in a way where I'm like, Ooh, I'm a little nervous. Please don't try to like blow past me or ride my tail. Let me, can I just get through it, please? <laughs> like, you know, like that's how I drive through that area. It's it's claustrophobic is what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, it um, is rough. I don't think they can do one lane, and even though it says one lane northbound, they can't do one lane. You'd have a bigger lane, mm-hmm. but if somebody's turning and making the left, mm-hmm. oh god, like you're just gonna everybody else behind there is gonna be backed up. I don't know if there's there's nothing they can do unless they remove those homes, and you don't want to do that. So um, I know we got cut off because I had to take a call, but yeah. I would I would be very interested. Is it possible we can get somebody on the podcast that's in, that works with the Bluff Village um, projects? I would be interested to just kind of have a conversation with them and see what's going to happen with that. My thoughts. $400 a month is pretty expensive. No, is, that, is that what it costs? <laughs> it's $400 a month. So it's a, yeah, it's a dollar per, per square, square foot. foot. Okay. And you do still have to pay. It seems like you still have to pay utilities. Jade and I were actually having a conversation about this the other day because she asked me about it. And so I went online just to see what additional information there was. I remember when the press release came out and they were talking about this project, they mentioned $400 a month. And I said, hmm, is this going to be based on income, you know, subsidized at all? Is there any assistance here? Because you know, somebody who makes eight, I don't know, $18,000 or less, it sounds like a year, typically within our organization, we charge 30% of your income. So whatever you 30% of your income is, that's what you, we expect you to pay for rent. So that could be $400 for one person, but it could be $182 for another person. It's based on their income, not necessarily like just a flat rate, a market rate of $400, and they have to pay the utilities there. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, what the, what the model is going to be, obviously, if it's gone this far, like there's some good ideas there, but then there was like some language on the website as well. Um, right up front on the website where it's like, we are trying to build, you know, this isn't a handout. And I'm just like, Oh, (laughs) in big, bold letters, this isn't a handout. And I said, okay, this is, 
This is interesting. It says up to $400, and the paragraph before that, some of the other stipulations. Residents of Bluff Street Village will take ownership of the homes at the end of seven years yep. and meet requirements along the way, such as attending monthly workshops on topics such as home repair and budgeting, completing 10 hours of community service per month, and meeting with a caseworker. Yeah, yeah. So I, I read all of that. And the up to, that's helpful if it says up to $400, because my first thought is, is this based on somebody's income? Um, because that's going to be important. $400 a month may still be too expensive for people that they're trying to target. Um, so I, my thought was like, how is this going to work? Um, are you setting somebody up for failure? I mean, there's all sorts of housing programs that have come out over the years throughout the country, like rapid rehousing that hasn't worked. And so um, I was just curious what was going to happen with that. And then some of the language on the website was not, was it, re it reminds me of the letters where it's like, nobody wants to work, so we have to close. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's almost like this isn't a handout. This is, you know, this is what we're doing to help people. And it's, it almost, it made me a little sensitive, if that makes any sense. No, I get it. Um, 400 square feet is also small. I'd say that's like somebody's living room. It looks like they have a living room and a bathroom. And in their living room, they have like a twin size mattress that doubles as like storage space. Yeah, that's that's not a lot of space. So, and I'm not familiar. My only familiarity with tiny homes is uh, my old coworker Megan always wanted to live in one, but hers mm. was like a mobile kind, so she yeah. could just like pick it up and move it. I'm not familiar with these these static ones where people are supposed to be able to have the opportunity to build equity and uh, to be quite. They're probably doing more for their. Um, their credit score than they are equity because this, these things are probably never going to be worth much, especially if they're a flop of an idea. Yeah. It's just when you're looking at, when you're trying to um, budget how much somebody should pay towards housing and utilities um, it and what they can reasonably pay without like making them go broke, $18,000 a year, you know, divided by two is like 1500 divided, divided, divided by 12. So that's like somebody that makes $1,500 a month. And then once you divide that in half, it's, they really should be paying around $230 in rent, not four. Yeah. So um, that's where I'm just like, how is that going to work? It might not be able, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious, but I do appreciate that they're providing case management, budgeting, um, wellness resources, and, and those things are there, but also the expectation may be challenging. So Now that you point out the math of it, I think you're, you're right because- I don't know what the rent, the rental prices have come up with the housing prices right. haven't come up, but I know that when I've looked and what I've been aware of, before all this nonsense, you could get a place for like five fifty, six hundred bucks, mm -hmm. and it might not be in the best neighborhood, mm -hmm. but you're gonna have a lot more space. You'll have <laughs> you'll get more space for your money than you would four hundred dollars for four hundred square feet. Right. Plus you're paying those utilities. I mean, I know there was also something in there that says there's energy things being put in these homes to make the utility bill, to make your electric bill less than $50. And it, again, that is also fantastic. My electric bill in my apartment was only 30 and that was with like running the air every day. <laughs> so it just, you know, I, I have, I have concerns. I had concerns from the very beginning. So I would, but I, but I think that the um, well intention, the good intention is there. So could this be for somebody that's like working part time and school full time? That might be a better objective than maybe a low income person, um, so low socioeconomic status. You know what I mean? It, I don't know how. I don't know who their target's going to be here. I'll, I'll push back and say I'd rather have the low income person in it because that person, that person, in, that person in school, stay the hell at home if you can. Yeah. That too. Um, that too. Let me knock out another quick traffic report here. Hold on. Mm -hmm. We have a disabled vehicle Broadway at Western. Avoid that area if you can. Also, a disabled vehicle with the left lane block, 75 southbound, right after exit 207. And that is your Cumulus Toledo right now traffic. It was Jade and I were just talking about it um, earlier in the week, and we were having a conversation. And I said, This is very well intentioned. There's lots of organizations that are coming together and sponsoring this. Um, but I don't know if this is a group of people that has a, a history in housing and that can flesh out some of these things, or if it was a project that was put together with not a lot of knowledge um, from people at the table that 
no housing and best practices for maintaining that. It, uh, it just, I don't know, it was like, oh, this is a little steep in price. And I think the intention is for it to not be expensive. <laughs> you mean it was a bunch of out of touch richer people who might all be white trying to help out low-income people to check a box off or maybe... I would not say that. (laughs) It's a bunch of well-intentioned people that might not have the knowledge needed, associated with it. We we need one of our many gay friends to pop on the podcast and I'm sure there will be varying perspectives, but with the whole world changing their logos and pictures to rainbows... Yesterday, for the month of June. Yeah. Um, Reddit and the the meme page, the subreddit meme page went nuts on them today. And there was lots of funny ones because a, a lot of it, it does seem, I mean, it just seems like a monthly commitment. And let, let the people who are in that community call out those who just do it for a month or uh-huh. to profiteer or to capitalize on it. Because the true, and I... Not to get too caught up in semantics, I don't even know if I love the term ally anymore. Like, mm. just be a decent human being and you will naturally right. be that to somebody. Right. Um, but those people are around the calendar and around the year, not just one month out of the year when you change your logo to rainbows. I, you know what? I did not start to really look at, look at that with with the kind of criticism that you're that you're speaking about until last year when everybody was going black because of George Floyd and all the protests were happening. So all of the organizations were coming out with statements, profile pictures were going dark, you know, all of this, all of these things were happening, all of this discussion. I was so skeptical. Even at that time, I was actually pretty bitter at how many people, because it's like you're managing your feelings about what just happened. And also, feeling really bitter about how many people were, co- we t- I think we talked about this on the podcast. I'm like, why now are you coming to the table when somebody was so violently murdered? You know, why now? So I, it's the same thing. I, I'm not as bitter though, but I agree. Like there's, there's, it's, it's so clear in the age of social media, how many groups of people, businesses, organizations are, you know, showing their allyship for the LGBTQ community. And then by July, it, it ends. And in fact, there's, there's, um, you know, issues that get brought forward nationally that they're on the other side of. And it's like, where was that energy that you had in June about yeah. what's happening right now? Like, have you forgotten? You know, there that I see it so many times, even last year, there's somebody that I know personally, and I can share with you off podcast that was so pro, like, this is terrible. What happened to George Floyd? We need to have a discussion. The black community deals with so much from you know, the police and law enforcement. And then like they started dating a lot a police officer in July and the, and, or, you know, August. And then boom, completely changed. Like just, I eventually had to unfollow them. I'm like, bro, this is too much. It, um, it makes me think a little bit how I, I feel about when there's some kind of scandal. Yeah. As long as it's not too ginormous, mm-hmm. um, For the most part, it's going to blow over because the internet will latch onto something else. Sure. This short-term memory, this short attention span. Um, Again, the the real people that made things better for others who are likely marginalized, their strengths and their muscles are flexed on calendar months that don't represent the cause. Exactly. Exactly. Um, All right. Let's talk about the Naomi Osaka stuff. Mm. Um, I talked about it a little bit this morning with the the doctor in in regards to how does one know when work has become too much for them and how do you manage that and some boundaries. So I'll summarize my thoughts. I was very, I was disappointed in her last week Mm -hmm. because I got the sense she was trying to shun a responsibility Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of shit all over the media. And then she's like, I have social anxiety and depression. And I guess she's been having, she's put, been putting some sentiments out for quite some time, but we just don't follow tennis that closely. Um, our, our fault for not knowing that. But when she, when she put the diagnoses there, it's like, okay, get, get rid of these fines, make some accommodations for her. But she also has to realize part of being the mega celebrity and star that she is, like you're never going to be out of the spotlight. Um, and we can dive deeper into this, but... I hope she goes away until she feels better because she's yeah. not going to play her best until she feels better. I agree. I hope she goes away until she feels better. I think that I started to notice, you know, she's she's a different type of athlete 
And I wouldn't say that I saw this coming, but I do remember watching her beat Serena um, probably a couple years ago and how much she, like how she just sobbed. She was sobbing and it was not in celebration. You know what I mean? It was not, it was the same match she beat Serena and Serena had lashed out at the, um, I don't even know what they're called. The, the umpire, the, the chairperson. Yeah, whatever. You know, had she had had, Serena had a moment because she was feeling singled out. And so she, you know, had a human moment with this guy. Um, and I remember Naomi just sobbed um, when she beat Serena. While this should be a very happy moment for her, it was not. And I, I was like, girl, I feel you. Like that, you, this is so overwhelming for you and such a powerful moment that there's so many emotions involved. I'm very happy for her. I hope she does take the break that she needs. I did not think from the, from the very beginning, I'm like, she's not trying to like share a message. She's not trying to stick it to the man or, you know, protest in a way that Colin Kaepernick may have, if that makes any sense, where he kneeled during the national anthem. She's like, this is too much for me. I'm bowing out. Like, I can't do this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do what's best for me right now. And then you know, she got fined and what happened happened. And she's like, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to walk away completely. And I don't think it was out of protest for a bigger message. It was literally just for her, for her and for health, her health and for oh, her yeah. sake. Yeah. And I was, I, I really was like, good for you, girl. Like, good for you. Yeah, I did a total 180. I mm -hmm. Look, I hate press conferences that are like, you're familiar with Bill Belichick and his press conferences a little bit. Yeah. We're on to the next one. I don't know what mm -hmm. happened there. We've got to do, like, all that shit. Like, this experience can be better for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and there are going to be people who are not good in front of a microphone. Not to the degree that she struggles with, but they're just not talkers. And then it's incumbent upon the journalists and media to ask the questions succinctly and directly. Not not with an antagonism, but just ask better questions so you'll get better answers. And, and then it becomes a better experience for everybody. I don't think these things are inhumane or zoo-like. I mean, the real nasty shit is is on social media, not necessarily these things. Um but th this is this is part of what she is and mm -hmm. has always aspired to become. And I was talking about with the doctor today, like you don't know your breaking point until you get there. Like you know that there are obligations mm -hmm. you've got to engage with fans in the media and commercials and stuff like that and you're like yeah, yeah yeah i totally got that and then when it starts happening and then somebody who's dealing with what she's dealing with where she's traveling all over the world different time zones probably doesn't sleep all that great um everybody wants a piece of her time like that's a that's a lot for anybody especially for somebody who is 23 you know as well as i do you know the younger you are the harder it is to manage your emotions that's why she might have to go away for a couple of years to mm -hmm. collect herself and see what she's able to manage because unfortunately being the most popular talented female tennis player on the planet is a big ask there are a lot of obligations and it might be too much for her as she is currently constituted she might need therapy or medication and then she'll be able to manage it better but at this point that spotlight will always burn like the sun on her I'm having a hard time like putting my finger on other people that have done things like this before, but it, it like from my perspective, she's just like, listen, this is too much for me. Did she have dreams of being like a big time tennis player? Absolutely. Did she know that she had responsibilities like this? Probably. Did she know that this was how her mind and her body was going to respond to that responsibility? Probably not. And, and so now she's, she's at a, a crossroads where she's like, yeah, I, I'd be curious if she's really dis determining, is this what I want to do? Is there other things that I can do with my life? I'm young. I can change direction. You know, I've made money. I, I've made enough money to support myself comfortably, probably for the rest of my life. Can I do I need to make more, you know, for the sake of entertainment? Probably not. Like, you know, and so I would not be surprised if she, in her mind she's like, do I want to continue doing this or is this a time where I switch gears and do something else, make something else of my life? I've done enough um, up until this point to where I can I have the privilege and, and, and 
cushion to be able to do that. And good for her if that's if that is what she is deciding, because while she may be the best talent tennis has seen in a long time, that doesn't mean that tennis has rights to her. She can choose. She has the autonomy. She can walk away from that. And it you know, while it would be sad, it's still her decision. And I, I respect her wholeheartedly for for what she's doing i'm just like good for you girl like you see you know you see the impact you can have and you are still the one making the decision on if you're going to do it or not and it's completely yours to make and i don't damn tennis Mm -hmm. for this and maybe they can make some changes i mean look i think the whole press conference reporter media celeb athlete whoever relationship can be a lot better in a lot of ways and that's not to demean some of the really yeah. great reporters who have a great rapport that they built up over the years and ask great questions and can push people's buttons in the in the right kind of way so that we can find out the stories behind the talents of these people that's what they're there for mm-hmm. so i don't damn tennis but unfortunately part of being a star is lots of obligations that can be too much um for, mm-hmm. for certain kinds of people who might be a certain way. And like you said, she might have to make that decision because she certainly, she has given herself the resource to make that decision. I'm willing to walk away, not saying she's going to do this, I'm willing to walk away from what I love, what brings joy to others, because it's just too much for me. And I'd rather go do yeah. something that's off the radar, but it won't eat so much of my soul. Yeah, and I like I said, I just... I, I'm as a little person here in Toledo, Ohio, that makes no difference to Naomi Osaka's life. Like just so I'm proud of her as if she was somebody I work, talk to every day, like somebody that's a part of my life every day. And she's not, I barely know how she performs. I know she's a huge athlete. She's a force. I know that. I know, you know, she's an intelligent girl. She's not afraid to use her voice. I know all of those things. But that's about it. You know, I don't know enough about tennis to have an opinion about how those press conferences go. Um, So I don't really share that, you know, but I just from what I see, I'm just it's like from one woman to another. I'm like, you go, girl. Like you almost make me want to cry. Like, good for you. Good for you. And uh, let me look something up real fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll have to guess on the name. Um, And without the media doing mm-hmm. their job to the best of their ability, we don't mm-hmm. find out more about her. Um, sure, she can go on her social media, but when Naomi, when Naomi Osaka was 14, you didn't care, you didn't follow her on social media. Meet, the media and the journalist had to share her story. So right. they do play an integral role, and that's why we just can't go, oh, somebody doesn't like press conferences, the, the questions or whatever, we're, uh, mm-hmm. get rid of it. No, no, no. This is, this is part of... This is part of the job. Just like, you know, God, the mayor has been having press conferences every freaking day for like two weeks now. The pools are open. The pools are not open. Yeah. And look, that's part of like maybe, and I'm just using him as an example. Maybe he is exceptional at governance, but not good at press conferences. Uh, and I'm not saying that he, that he is, but that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm not damning her. And again, she's in a great position where she can go, you know what? It's too much for me. I don't want to do it. Or she can go recover, fix some things or change some things about her and come back uh, stronger and be better than ever. You're not going to like your job 100% of the time. You're not going to like 100% of your job. There are going to be challenges and then it's incumbent on the individual to go, I can get through this so I can enjoy the rest of my job or I'll go do something else. I think also one of the other layers to this challenge for her is she is not a shut up and dribble kind of athlete. And obviously I, I'm using Laura Ingram and LeBron James decades ago when she when LeBron didn't, you know, he's just an athlete and he doesn't have a right to an opinion about what's happening nationally and in our world and social issues. She's not a, she's not an athlete that's just going to do that's just going to play her sport, um, be a presence and then be quiet about what happens around the world. There's a lot of athletes, especially athletes of color, that are not that way. And so Naomi has that added um, pressure of having to answer for her opinions that she shares publicly. Um, and even and, that's that's even in a good way. Like sure, if yeah. She, if she stands up for all the all the things that we believe are right, people are are still going to want her time. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. So e- even more so, not only do they want her time for her talent and her like the force that she is on the tennis court, they want her time, thoughts and opinions, and they will also challenge her publicly 
for her social justice issues. Um, and it's like she's feeling she's still a human being. She's a young adult feeling the feelings about what's happening in our country, speaking about them publicly because she probably feels like she has the platform to do that. But then she has to answer to the pushback on it as well. It's, and it can be a challenge. It's part of being famous. I, I wish I would have learned a lot earlier on in my life that being a part of the community was in a lot of ways, far more important than just talking into this microphone. And I'm glad that my previous boss instilled that in me and it allowed mm-hmm. me to stay here where I am. Um, not, not, I'm not defending the media because I'm it to a degree, but mm-hmm. I, I just I have been it in some ways. So I understand that in, in some ways that most people don't um, No, Naomi Osaka does not need the media because she can get her message out as much as she wants uh, as much right. as she wants. Right. Sophia Kennan, hope I pronounced that right, needs the media. Who the hell is she? She is the <laughs> fifth ranked player in women's tennis and is 100% American. Well, she's got an American flag next to her name. And I've never heard of her in my entire life. The fifth best player on the planet at the current moment. Mm. The, the media w- wants to tell her story um, because at this point you, you'd never know if that girl has an Instagram or not unless you flipped on a tennis match because she was playing Naomi Osaka. So we need the media to tell the stories of these other people. Yeah. And I mean, it's be- beyond that, there's, I mean, unless you're like a top three athlete um, and you can still be like a top tier athlete and nobody knows anything about you because you may not, I, I know about soccer and I think Megan Rapopone is Rapino. Rapino because of the work that she does on equal pay, like equality, LGBTQ rights and women's equal pay, you know? So I don't know shit about soccer though. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't know where she ranks as far, I know where the U.S. ranks as far as soccer teams, don't know where she ranks as an individual, but I do know about her. I know her name. I can point her out in a crowd because of the work she does socially. So it really does make a difference. But at the same time, like, Naomi may be an empath. Yeah. I, th- I think she's an empath. And I think that um, just from what she said, how she's responded, like, again, seeing her sob after what the biggest win of her life because of what because of how it happened. And I, I just I felt for her. I wanted to hug her. So yeah. um, I wish she would have been forthcoming from the outset uh, this last week. So fewer people uh, attacked her. Um including myself so yeah um go away go get healthy go do what you need to go be happy and and if it's not yeah, being a go tennis be happy if it's not being a tennis player you know fine you 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 have given yourself the resources to to step away from something you love something not many people can do i mean i i it's not billions of dollars or millions of dollars but i remember when i walked away from college at 18 i remember how i mean there if i ever run into people who shared a dorm hallway with me and how many times they saw me in the hallway just sobbing and crying I mean I was miserable until I walked away and the relief I felt when I walked away was just I will never forget that relief it's overwhelming and so I relate that to situations like when Naomi said you know what I'm not doing the press conference and she finally came out and said it and then walked away from that tournament the relief she must have felt yeah Hopefully she sat home and played like hours of video games and was just a 23-year-old. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got to wrap up. I got to do a quick interview here. So uh, we will, I I have to figure out the rest of the week. This damn short week has me all all askew. Yeah, let me know. I mean, mean, Thursdays, I guess I do do Fridays sometimes though too. Yeah, no problem. Just let me know. All right, I'll text you soon. Okay, bye. bye.